and welcome to This Sustainable Life Untethered, the place where we explore mind, body and nature and the things that hold you back from enjoying them. Today I am thrilled to bring you a conversation which is all about getting back to our human wild roots with our guest environmental enthusiast and entrepreneur Michelle Parry. Michelle founded the business The Rewilding, Uh, check it out, the-rewilding.com and I'll explain more about this in a second but spoiler alert, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, But I don't know about you but I am feeling more and more like my life is being spent indoors, on devices and in front of screens And that was before lockdown. Lockdown has made it 10 times worse. So this conversation is particularly timely for me. And if you are feeling in a similar way and also feeling cooped up in your house, then you need to listen to this conversation and allow Michelle to be the breath of fresh air you need to reinvigorate your desire and slow down and enjoy nature. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I had a fab time with Michelle and I know you will too. So without further ado, let's go rewild ourselves. So Michelle is the founder of the Rewilding business in Northwest England, which hosts retreats and events with the aim of inspiring human connection and connection with nature. They do all sorts of amazing stuff, including things like partnering with others to provide yoga retreats, nature retreats, education sessions, breath workshops, local produce tasting menus, litter picking, sustainable craft sessions and wellness workshops. I could go on and on. So many amazing things. Um, Michelle is also a dairy farmer and she is involved in producing renewable energy from agricultural waste. She also has the most incredible, positively infectious energy that just spills out from her with regards to nature and enjoying nature and the beauty and perfection of nature. Michelle, when I scroll through your Instagram, it just makes me want to instantly go outside and just bask in the glory of outdoors. So thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for that lovely introduction as well. (laughs) You're so welcome. So your business is called the rewilding and I love that term I think that's a a fabulous really kind of emotive word um can you tell our listeners what you mean when you say rewilding yes so obviously it's a bit of a trendy term at the moment rewilding and we're looking at it usually in the context of environmental rewilding so leaving like landscapes to go to their natural um uncultivated state um, but I'm really fascinated with the the term of human rewilding. So applying that same concept to the human. So kind of undoing a lot of the domestication that we've had as human beings, taking away technology and really slowing down, kind of going backwards and looking at things that we already have within us. You know, we already have a lot of these skills. We are nature ultimately as well, you know, so reconnecting with with what that means, whether it's through things like, you know, taking taking your breath through a breathwork workshop or or connecting with your senses through a nature walk. Um, so when people come to to our spot, that's what I really would, you know, I, I, I hope for people to embrace is this this kind of just just keep it simple connection with nature nature and with other humans as well. Brilliant. And I love in your um website you talk about like the idea of humans being caged. And I think that's a really um, 
a good kind of visual metaphor. And I certainly feel like um, nowadays with lockdown, it feels like we're very, very caged and um, that this is the the perfect thing that I, I need in my life to get back in the wild and, and uh, reconnect with nature. So can you yeah. explain a bit more about your background and what it was that led you to create your business? Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, I grew up on the dairy farm. Um, um, I've, I love where we're from, but I always kind of, when I got to the age of 18 and I went off to uni, you know, I was really keen to kind of go off, explore. Um, and I didn't actually think I would would come back to the area, you know, as much as I, I was so thankful to have grown up in the countryside. I, you know, I did love being in cities as well. Um, so I went to Manchester and studied and then um, I did some backpacking, moved back to London and then also went off again to, to do some work and travel. Um, so I think these this combination of different experiences that I've had in events, you know, being part of different communities, my background is in the charity sector. So what what it's kind of brought me to is connecting all of these dots to um you know, to, to bring these experiences in my own version uh, with my own passions and, and values and um, to deliver something with integrity. You know, when I've worked for organisations in the past, I've really signed up to their values and what they stand for. But, you know, I'm often quite, quite disappointed. So um, I really wanted to to bring something that, you know, I believe to be a good thing I, you know I really believe that people want and need um, and I really want to celebrate our local area as well where we're from and get people coming out to the countryside and experiencing um, not just nature but also the agricultural side of things as well I think the um, farmers dairy farmers livestock farmers of all types we've got a big story to, to tell and and often it's not told um in, 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 in my opinion, in, in the right light. And I think that actually farmers are a big part of the solution to climate change. And there's lots to be shared, shared with that. Where did you um, go traveling? What were your experiences? Yeah, all over really. Um, so I, when I was backpacking, I went to uh, South America um, southeast asia you know the classic trail a bit of central asia as well uh, and then with work and travel uh, through europe and and again back in uh, central and south america as well so um my experiences were you know just exchanging different cultures and that's just something i really really thrive on and seeing how people live their lives in such a different way to we do but at the end of the day we're all still humans and we're all still people and we're all still uh, trying to connect with one another and um yeah I don't know I just think fast travel is fascinating I think it's really partly of um it's helped me to be the person that I am today through the people I've met through the sites that I've seen like both you know things that are not so good and things that are just absolutely the most wonderful things ever um yeah and you know obviously it's a very privileged thing to do to be able to to travel but I think cultural exchanges with with other people are just absolutely essential for us to broaden our world and global perspectives to be you know more kind and compassionate people absolutely I think we can be so um 
and recently as well, kind of focusing on distancing ourselves, whether it's from political opinion or, you know, different countries or different colors of skin. There seems like there's so much um, lack of integration. And I think travel is really important to remind you that we are all humans. We all share this common humanity. We all share the same, the same planet. You said that you enjoyed um, in cities for a bit. Did you did you miss the countryside, or was it something like did you did you feel the pull back to the countryside? How did you keep your wildness while you were in the city? Yeah, definitely. That's a good question. I um, I love going to the city because I love the energy of a city and you know the different experiences that you can have, and it's so you know it's so fast and there's always something happening. There's always somebody who's up for doing something fun. Um, and I love that. I really thrive on that as well. I'm definitely a people person, but I also find that really, really exhausting. And um, I think it's taken me, well, I've been away from home for about 13 years. So I think it took me that amount of time to really realize that actually cities are not, not my jam. They're not where I kind of want to be. They're not where I thrive as a person. Um, so yeah, I think, and and also when you're traveling as well, you're always having those wild experiences because things are always new but in that because things are always new that's what I can can be quite exhausting whereas when you're out in nature and when you're out in the countryside you know it's a lot slower it's a lot calmer and um you know you're not having to process 20 cars driving past you at the same time it's more just like literally oh my god that tree is so beautiful and look at its leaves you know like it's it's a different it sounds silly but it's a different type of um yeah like like cognition isn't it I think um but you know you can definitely get those experiences living in a city and I I really do believe that we've got some really you know especially in the UK there's amazing green spaces in places like London um and it's often like not that hard to get out of the city like even if you live in Manchester you know you can be in the countryside in 20 minutes easily so um sometimes it doesn't feel that easy though like it does feel caged often when you live in a city um and it's so easy to do those things like go to the pub and just do that routine you know yeah absolutely I'm glad you you mentioned trees and the beauty of trees because on your Instagram you have quite a lot of um photos of you just saying like this is perfection or, or hugging the tree what is it about trees that you love so much I mean they're just I think we are all a bit like trees, aren't we? I, I was just thinking about this the other day, you know, um, you know, I'm always trying to strive to live more in line with the seasons. And when you look at a tree and the evolution of like what happens with a tree throughout the year, you know, that's what happens to us as well. When we, when it's winter time, we kind of, we want to retreat. We feel a bit like, you know, leafless I guess maybe whereas and then the summer comes and we've taken that time to nourish ourselves and hopefully sleep a bit more and then like it comes back to life again and I think there's just beauty in that and they're there and they just they stand there so stoic and changing and you know obviously they give they give us life don't they so um I just uh, yeah I just love trees I mean (laughs) what's not about a tree yeah well I think yeah they they are so beautiful and also different and yeah I just I really appreciate um seeing the trees everyone should just follow you on Instagram because (laughs) it's like you're the way you describe it and the way you're passionate about it it can't like help but make me feel that way too when you when you describe it in that way so 
Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so why do you think that we have become so disconnected from the natural world and what is it that holds us back from reconnecting? Yeah, I think I think it's just the fast-pacedness of life that we live in, uh, you know, the the 9 to 5 which is not necessarily something I mean it's a made-up concept, isn't it? And we're we're so busy. The expectations are 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 high to have things, to do things, and to, you know, we compare our lives every single day on platforms like Instagram and Facebook, and um, it's addictive, isn't it? Hmm. Whether whether we like that or not, you know, I think that however many times we're looking at our phone each day, even if it's five or ten or whatever, we're we're addicted, and I, I actually don't think that's our fault when it comes down to it and I think we just need to remind ourselves that you know like I said earlier we are nature and um yeah I I I don't know exactly why but I do believe as much as technology is a wonderful wonderful thing it's it's a distraction and we are we live in such distracted fast-paced lives that actually taking the time to stop and unwind you know to even connect to the food that we're having when we're eating our, our dinner, you know, we're often doing it. We might even be stood up when we're eating our meal or we watching the TV whilst we're eating our meal. We're not sitting there thinking, Oh wow. Like who grew this delicious carrot or which farmer produced this gorgeous chicken, you know, like whatever that might be. We, we don't do that because everything it's just the next thing, the next thing. And we live in a capitalist consumerist world. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a contagious thing, isn't it? It's, again, it's addictions, really. It's so true. And in my experience, so I've been working from home now with the pandemic, and it almost feels like um, my whole life is just in front of a screen. I spend my time in front of a laptop. Um, I do I do spend a lot of time on my phone as well, I would say. I don't know if I'm addicted, but certainly it is strongly strongly habitual and a lot of the time a waste of time yeah and sometimes it feels like you're always thinking about your to-do list and you know I want to achieve this and achieve this and I catch myself thinking that I don't have time to go out and or go for a long walk or whatever like I kind of recognize that I need to go outside because maybe I've not been and you know just need to take a break from being indoors but then I'll be like ah there's this really nice place I could drive to but that's an hour I don't really have an hour so you know I'll just go to this little park here and I think that's that's a shame that we don't like prioritize it or at least um I have struggled to prioritize it at times yeah that's so true isn't it and then you know actually if you look at your um screen time every single day you think well how have I spent two hours on social media you know something something silly like that and and that's that's what is quite frightening I think is you know we we always we never have the time do we but it's it is about making time and then actually taking that whether it's literally 10 minutes a day and noticing how you feel afterwards you know like I, I, for, for me one of my resolutions this year is really getting back into um, consistency with exercising because I've I've let that go to slip in 2020 and I can make all the different excuses but you know even just this 
these first 10 days of January, how I feel even just more focused, more productive, more energized just through going for a run. And that's not just the exercise itself. It's doing it outside and getting fresh air and um, yeah, seeing the greenery around me. Um, yeah, it's, it is, it, there's always something that's the thing, isn't it? there's always something and it's yeah. What, what we do prioritize at the end of the day. Yeah, I think like I said, we, we have the time. When I look at my screen time uh, stats, I think, oh my God, I could learn a language. I could be writing a book. I could have done all these things instead of just scrolling and liking. Um, I note that you have a dog and I think that um, having, so I've got a dog as well. He's a little cockapoo. He's four years old and he is just a delight, Louis. And I think he's one of the things that has really helped me to reconnect back with the natural world. Like I think dogs are an amazing excuse in seeing their joy in just running around and sniffing and peeing on the field. And <laughs> like that, that's one thing that I've found. Have you, how have you found a dog and how has that changed your connection to nature at all? I'm really mindful about where I go with this because I know I could spend the next two hours talking about Yeah, it. please do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got my dog, my little dog. He's called Chico. Um, pretty mm-hmm. much on the, the last day before we went into national lockdown last year. So, um, and it's been a game changer. I live alone. Um, I do have my family like, you know, just down the road. But just that, like, even that company, as sad as that might sound, but also that kind of making you go outside, you, you can't leave your dog for two hours in the morning without taking it to go for like a little wee or poo, because that's cruel. Um, and yeah, we've gone to lots of places I wouldn't typically go, you know, doing more walks that I wouldn't typically go on. And and also, like you said, you know, just, just observing them and what they do. And he's a boy, so he does... Um, you know, he does his territorial wheeze literally every five five minutes. It's yeah. you know, a bit of a habit. But again, that's just like the nature of him saying like, this is my patch, you know, and it's so natural. Um, and they're just, yeah, they're just full of fun, aren't they? And good, good vibes. So, um, and he comes with me every single, every, everywhere I go. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying everybody should get a dog because that's irresponsible, but um, <laughs> I think they, they, there's lots of benefits through having a dog and obviously dog or animal people don't understand that, but um, yeah, it's brought a lot of happiness and joy. <laughs> yeah. I know my dog is exactly the same. Like he stops and sniffs and pees all the time when I'm, when we take him out on a walk with the lead. And um, even that is like a forced kind of slowdown. Cause sometimes on a walk, you know, you're going quickly or thinking about whatever or listening to whatever podcast or um just you know moving to the next place like literally you're one foot in front of the other and then when he just stops and sniffs I just kind of take a look around and I'm like oh yes this is this is very nice I appreciate this little bit of the you know the neighborhood or this flower is particularly nice so yeah dogs are the absolute best (laughs) um so I think we should probably talk about the pandemic um we are well for my non-UK listeners England is in its third national lockdown and uh, we've basically been told to stay indoors although you can go outside once a day for exercise 
Um, but even that is restricted. So there have been some news stories about people traveling a few miles to exercise or, you know, go for a walk in a slightly um, different place and the police have actually fined them. And I think like, well, for me, that's actually quite scary in terms of our access to, to nature and to wildness is being lawfully restricted um, and I don't think that's something that's happened before, you know, before this pandemic. Is it something that has affected you at all, Michelle? How have you been coping with having your um, access to wildness restricted? Yeah, it's quite, it is, it is quite scary, isn't it? I think I, I live in the countryside. So there's definitely been times where I felt like I've been in a bit of a bubble because, you know, again, with the farm, some a lot of things have stayed the same. You know, we have to carry on and um, the day to day, you know, it has to keep on keep on going by. And because we are reasonably isolated, it's, you know, it's not like I'm seeing that on a day to day basis in a city. Um, so in that sense, you know, there's some things that we've have not been out. So not not ignored. There's obviously, there's a world pandemic going on, but. Uh, you do sometimes feel like you're in a bit of a bubble. Um, but things like, you know, I had plans to go to um, the Lake District last week and then, you know, you, you can't go because you, you're, you're breaking the law, aren't you? But you, I just, I think that that's quite, it's quite concerning, isn't it? And I saw that two people have been uh, fined five miles away from their home the other day for walking outdoors. And yeah, I think it's the thing that, is really keeping people sane and you know we've seen that throughout the entire pandemic nature people's um connection with like the birds and wildlife coming into their gardens or you know exploring their local area in a way they haven't done before that's been a lifeline for people and to and to add an extra fear factor that people can't go outside is worrying really because the, the the impacts of the pandemic aside from the pandemic and the virus itself you know the mental health aspect is something that we have got no idea how how long that's going to impact people for I think yeah it's just it's it's bad I think it's quite bad um and you know if you if you've got a good support network you know you've got a little dog or something then you know there's a lot of gratitude and thanks to that but there's lots of people who don't have that and they don't have access to the internet or technology or they're a single parent and you know taking that walk outside with your family or with another friend I think is so important but we have to do what we have to do and if that's what um the guidance is that we can't do it then we we, we must respect that to kind of get out of it I suppose mm. And I know that early on on your blog um, in the first pandemic back, uh, the first lockdown, sorry, back in March and April, you um, surveyed 40 people from around the world to find out how um, lockdown and the restrictions were affecting other people as well. And first of all, I just loved that you were like, oh, I'm going to just do this massive amount of work just because it interests me. <laughs> I think that's really great. Uh, but did you find anything interesting? Was there anything that you wanted to share about about those um, ways that people are feeling? Yeah, I think, um, gosh, it does seem a long, long time ago, actually, since I, I did do that. And it's been interesting to see, um, you know, how it's evolved but I have quite a lot of friends who live in the states and um 
you know, their experience, I think, felt different because of the way that their society is set up. Uh, and obviously, like with the political structure, I think it felt different and people's, you know, access to healthcare and, you know, it's bringing up lots of different questions around around that. Um, but actually, I think I found mostly that people, they, they were looking for this connection um, with other people. And I think it has made people look at their spaces differently, you know, whether they're living in the city or out in the countryside and, and the things that they do need to thrive. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that I do remember um, taking away was I think people you know will review where they do live or what they've got in their space to make them kind of happy I suppose like if you even adding things like plants or you know having access to a window that looks out onto a view or um you know even relocating I think in some cases some people will have would have found it really really tough being in a in, in a city yeah absolutely and um talking about like human connection and dogs it's surprising to me as well how um so my dog he is an absolute like cuddle monster he loves being touched loves cuddles and you know that that connection that we give him and it kind of makes you think that so I have a partner and I'm lucky to get that human connection we live together from him but for other people who may not have a a dog or a partner or are living alone it's not just human connection that you can get or try and substitute like through zoom or text or however you like, even if you meet up with your friend and go for a walk, if you can, it's almost like that, that touch and that kind of physical intimacy as well, that I think we're missing out on because of, because of the restrictions, because it's not safe to do so. Yeah. And the, there is a real thing called zoom fatigue when you, you know, even now we're looking at each other across the screen and I can see my face. So I can see, you know, what, what you're seeing, which I typically wouldn't see in a normal face-to-face conversation. And, you know, that's exhausting. I I'm reviewing my own face and my own expressions whilst yours. And when there's 20 other people on a screen, it's like this, this element of like self-consciousness that we haven't really probably had before. Um, and I just don't, yeah, it's not good, is it really? And you don't get that, you know, when somebody walks into a room and you can, you know, if they're in a bad mood or a good mood, you don't feel that presence or that energy, um, which is so important to making those connections again, you know, and like the physical touch and being able to hug somebody. Um, yeah, bring back, bring that back as soon as possible, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's weird, isn't it? Like I feel the only people who are this used to looking at themselves all the time, are like hairdressers or dancers, maybe like just looking in the mirror. I try to avoid looking at myself as much as possible because it's just, it is weird. And it, it does distract you, I think, from the conversation a little bit or, you know, from what you're thinking and giving it your full attention. You kind of feel your eyes drift downwards, like, oh, should I sit up a bit? I'm slouching a bit or, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's, it's an alien thing, isn't it? But we've all had to get used to it. And I think that that's quite fascinating as well, just how quickly people have adapted to this, you know, this new phrase, phrase the new normal. But um, people have adapted really quickly, which I think is very positive and also hopefully you know when we go back to whatever normal might look like in the future um some of these things will stay but then also we'll adapt back to hopefully a life without masks you know I can't stand wearing a mask mm-hmm. and that's that's a worry that the masks are here to stay but I think hope, hopefully not 
Yeah, uh, masks as well. Yesterday I went shopping in Aldi and I realised I know the exact worst time to wear a face mask is when you're shopping in Aldi trying to pack your stuff at the um, checkout. For anyone who hasn't shopped at Aldi, they go so quickly, it makes you really stressed. And then I had my mask on and I needed to blow my nose and I was just like trying (laughs) to like trying to get everything in the bags trying to like keep everything yeah it was it was stressful (laughs) cough or sneeze or anything you're like I haven't got COVID I promise promise." yeah yeah, I'm fine I'm fine I promise um so is there anything that you will do differently after the pandemic obviously I mean you're already so much of your daily experience and you've said about your new year's resolution going for running out in nature but is there anything else that you think that you will bring back or bring into your life after when things are back to normal yeah I think I think there's um there's lots to take away there's lots of um reflection I think that we'll be doing for years and years to come um I think I just don't want to take things for for granted as, as much as maybe I have done in the past. The it's it's the pandemic has really opened me personally up to uh, living actually more in line with the seasons, just because we've seen them more slowly evolve around us. Um, but one of the things that I definitely, yeah, I'm just thinking now. You've got me thinking. <laughs> I think actually, yeah, the. Um, when we had the first lockdown, it, it allowed me to to really stop and look at what I was doing with um, with my business model. And I, t- I took the time to review my branding and that type of stuff. And I I love taking that time. And then I said to myself, right, OK, when when we can go back to normal and when we can, um, you know, do events and retreats, I'm not going to speed up as much as I as much as I have been doing before. I do have tendency to be a bit of a workaholic. And then we were allowed to go out and do stuff. And I found myself sped right back up again and, uh, you know, working like crazy. And then obviously we went into lockdown again and I thought, oh, you didn't do that thing. So um, I think now more consciously and more intentionally when we do um, go back into being able to do in-person meetups to remember to take these times for myself, you know, with the dog, with going to the Lake District and making sure that, you know, you have at least a day a week and, and and not just kind of doing things in a rush, but much more slower and really like practicing what I preach, you know? Um, so that's kind of, I think the main thing I want to to take forward is to, to remain slow. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I can yeah. understand why when things yeah. are taken away from you and yeah. you know, you just, everyone's like, yeah, let's go back out and, you know, and do all the things that we have the freedom to do now. So it's completely understandable that, yeah. um, that there was that rebound, I guess. Definitely. So what would be your perfect wild day? If you could do anything, go anywhere, what would be Michelle's perfect wildness? So I think a perfect wild day would be just keep it really simple, to be honest. Um, definitely go on a walk um, somewhere, somewhere that involves, you know, both the mountains and some water um, and involve definitely like a bit of a wild dip. Get a bit of, get a bit of um, cold water and outdoor swimming in there. And then also a walk in the Lake District or or even... To be honest, my perfect wild days are right here where I live and just locally. I love 
from the doorstep where I live, I go down to um, Cockersands Abbey with my dog. Um, and it's just beautiful. I love to watch the, either the sunrise or the sunset. And I will stand by the fact that we have the best sunsets in the world in Morecambe Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really take the time to, to, to be present with that sun setting all the way down. Um, and then also I'd probably involve in there a little bit of um, like foraging or something based around a skill, like a bushcraft skill or having a fire and yeah, probably camping out to end, to, to end it off. Oh, that hopefully, sounds amazing. On a full moon or something like that. <laughs> Have you been learning any bushcraft skills or foraging skills? Yeah, I love I love to go foraging. Um, whether I have got the best knowledge, <laughs> like I would, I would never go and pick mushrooms or anything like that without somebody who knew exactly what they were doing. Definitely not. Um, but that's something that I'm, I'm always learning. Um, and in April, I'm going on a five day bushcraft um, course, which I can't wait. I'm really, really looking oh, forward wow. to to do to that. I think it's in Oxford actually. So hopefully that doesn't get cancelled um but yeah I just love all of these things you know they're things that we a lot of we already have in us and we just need to relearn a lot of the um a lot of this stuff um I don't know where it got lost or when it got lost but you know even just knowing like what trees they are or what plants they are this is stuff that um yeah just love to learn all all the time I think as well, or for me at least, I need kind of somebody to bring me in. It's very difficult to like read a book or even, you know, kind of use yourself to find out that information. But if you go on a walk with someone who or is passionate about it, or if you go to a course where people kind of tell you, um, oh, that's just my dog barking, <laughs> then it's it's so much easier, I guess, to... Um, to to learn and, and to be enthused so what kind of stuff would be in the bushcraft course I'm I'm really curious like I'm kind of thinking Raymi's style or Bear grills. <laughs> like are you looking for animals are you like building fires working with leather I have no idea <laughs> yeah a bit of everything really it's so it'll be like building a shelter um the fire foraging um tracking and then sleeping outside and yeah i'm sure i, I also think on this one we are going to learn how to do a like a, a sweat lodge almost like a, a kind of state yeah a steam sauna oh. building a um yeah like a nature shelter so i can't wait i really can't wait um and that's kind of these are the experiences that i want to bring in to the rewilding and what we're doing here so I'm definitely not the expert in all of these things and I'm really good at hosting people and I'm bringing these different experiences together. So that's what I've been doing this past, um, this past year since we've started is working with, you know, I really want to work mostly with local people who have got these expert skills who can then, you know, share them with, with other local people. Um, Cause there's, yeah, there's, there's so much to offer in our area. And then we've, we've got such a great space to, to do, to do these types of things. Yeah. Well, that does sound dead interesting. Um, so can we talk about the farming for a bit? Cause I understand that you work on your family's dairy farm and, uh, I know very little about farming, anything like that. I think when you said about, you know, 
um connecting to your food and thinking about where this carrot has come from i yeah that that's something that i need to i think uh work on a bit more um but what so you turn agricultural waste into renewable energy what what is the agricultural waste and like what used to happen to it before it was turned into renewable energy and like how, how does it work now yeah definitely so we are dairy farmers so I think we've got about 200 cows currently milking cows. Uh, and then the way that British agriculture has been, you know, over the past 20 years, oh, probably forever, really, there's always lots of uncertainty. So lots of farmers diversify into different um, different areas. You know, it could be even like things like glamping or holiday accommodation or farm shop. And we've also we've diversified into renewable energy. So we do that through a process called anaerobic digestion which for a metaphor is basically like a big tummy. So we collect the agricultural waste from um, from the cows, so basically their poo. Um, and then we also, we also take other agricultural waste from neighbouring farms. So uh, we take like chicken, chicken waste, chicken poo waste, um, potatoes. Uh, we put whey in there, all sorts of different, different things into one big tank. And that mixes around and spins and spins. And then it creates a gas, almost like, again, going back to that metaphor of a tummy for us, which is farting. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we capture the, the gas, which is methane. Um, and then we we, we, we we turn that back into renewable electricity and that gets sold back to the national grid. Um, so that's been really, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And this is, again, like part of the, the story, which I think is really important to be told because, you know, we do need food. The world demand for food is still is still huge. You know, we need it. We need it. We need meat produce. We need animal um, veg, vegetables, all of it. And um, there's 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 lots of benefits to the byproducts that can come from you know farming. And by create, by capturing the methane gas and turning that back into renewable electricity. Um, is, is definitely one of those. And then from the process of anaerobic digestion, uh, there's also byproducts from that. So the physical uh, waste that still exists and that can then be used again as fertilizer to go back onto the land to grow um, to grow the grass again. Um, it could also be used for things like sawdust. It could potentially be used um, and formed into like briquettes and it could be lit with, you know, to, to light fires instead of using actual logs. There's lots of heat produced uh through the big engines that it takes to convert the energy so that you know there's there's heat for forever really so you can use that heat to again if you wanted to grow tomatoes so there's there's so much potential obviously like we're limited by sometimes finances and and time um but yeah there's there's this massive opportunity for a continuation and this circular economy that people talk about so so much sounds amazing like just you get to use every single part of everything in that whole process in a different way and and keep kind of everything in the loop do is it like a popular practice do other dairy farms do it or other farms do it how how common is it so the other farms do do it and I think that um you know in the coming years or decades more will too but the process like to, to set up the the plant has been a massive project a massive investment and it's 24 hours almost there's always something that potentially is going wrong like there's 
errors happening left, right and center through something that might have either got into the engine. Like, you know, we're, we're putting in, say we, we're putting in about 30 ton of um, produce food waste a day, which is a lot. And sometimes like, I don't know if, if something that's gone off the, the yeah. Wow. So, yeah. A lot of waste. Um, so say like a piece of wood or something goes in there and then it stops the engine or sometimes um, that you, you might get like the some nasty bugs in there just like you would your tummy you know like if you go out and have like loads of booze and a curry the next day you might not feel so good so it's it can be really like a sensitive um, thing to feed if you will it, yeah it's work it's work heavy and um, in, in places like Germany and the States, they do, they, you know, it's, it's probably quite common, but it, I wouldn't say it's common here. I think it, there will be more of them coming, definitely. Right. And is it not subsidised by the government or is there any, you know, um, incentives, I guess, that government use to get farmers to, to, to set up? Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there are subsidies and um, there's subsidies, I think, on the heat and also um yeah, the amount of electricity that you produce as well. Mm, yeah, it's really and, interesting. Yeah, and things like subsidies, you know, obviously there's a lot of changes happening now uh, within agriculture, but they are kind of crucial to enable these projects to happen because, again, the investments are so huge and then the time that's already, um, like, needed to to do your, your day job on the farm and, and, and milk 200 cows is already, like, a massive time sink as well. So you know to to do extra stuff is is challenging yeah yeah I get what you mean it's not just an investment in the kit it's an investment in the time investment in the people and it's really significantly changing the way that you earn, earn your money basically yeah is there anything else that um consumers should know about farming that perhaps they don't and that could help them kind of think a bit more about their food choices I'm asking for myself <laughs> as well as my listeners. Yeah, I think there's, um, I mean, there's so much out there at the moment with, there's a lot of finger pointing and I think there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of uh, kind of, a, I would say quite extreme views sometimes on um, what's right or what's wrong. And, you know, everybody should be a bit vegan and eat um, plant-based products and, you know, there's definitely like room for all of that. And I think that there's a balance, isn't there? I mean, if you're eating meat every single day of the week, that might not be the best choice that you can make for you personally. But, um, you know, buying good local produce, it does cost maybe a little bit more, but you probably don't need as, as much of it. And um, <laughs> I think as well, like farmers, they're not the bad guy. They love the land they they farm on. They They love their animals. And um you know we're always trying to to do things better it's not that you know farmers don't want to improve practices or or anything but I would say as well that British farmers and British agriculture have some of the best practices in the world and yeah again I think there's like a big misconception there um and also that meat and dairy is bad for you I think is um is a lot of bs you know I think there's so much it's just balance, isn't it? It's having a little bit of um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you know, just being re- responsible with your own choices um, and being o- open-minded as well. And I think um, 
asking questions and being proactive you know it's very easy to to say oh, I'm going to be a vegan and I'm going to I'm not going to eat meat because this is this is the way that um you know I can be more responsible towards the climate but then there's a lot of contradictions you know you'll find people stomping around in the Doc Martin boots or with a nice leather handbag or going on holiday five times a year and um all of those things in my opinion you know you can everybody can do what they want but it's about you know just being responsible in your own choices and understanding that every decision that we make has an environmental impact and it's um i suppose it's what you're you're comfortable with um this is definitely a tangent from <laughs> the question that you asked <laughs> no it's true I, I think like that's kind of the yeah the key thing that i'm taking um from you is just kind of having time a bit to slow down and just think and be a bit more intentional yeah definitely um yeah I think yeah that's pretty much it really I would say um but but you know asking more questions about where your food has come from I think is also a really important to question question to ask and now we're going to see a lot of these changes coming through with with Brexit as well um and yeah just taking the time to really enjoy your food and understand that the UK does have a food culture um and I think the pandemic has also taught us a little bit more about our own food story and our own food culture through um you know there's there's certainly in our local community in Cockrum um lots of people kind of stepping forward to do uh, veg box deliveries that you know maybe they weren't as available before but I think that that's got people thinking oh actually I can go um I can go for this option versus always going for uh, the supermarket and I, you know I'm guilty as well I definitely you know I still use the supermarket and I love to eat an avocado or a grapefruit but really actually it's 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 helping me to kind of think uh, why is it grapefruit even a good thing for me to be eating during the winter months anyway like there's a reason why we have um seasons within our food and it's it is usually more beneficial to eat within the seasons for for your body and for, to get the most nutrition nutri- nutrients from the food as well mm. yeah definitely um yeah it's it's well I don't know for me it's a a step like I say you know I shop in Aldi and you kind of sometimes think like oh I want some strawberries with my porridge and you buy the frozen strawberries and you're like oh well you know but yeah moving towards more seasonal eating I think would be um a worthwhile but perhaps difficult challenge for me but I could totally get where you're coming from and just understanding and asking those questions a bit more about your food and not just picking it off off a shelf and you know not really thinking about it Um, So clearly, obviously, you care a lot about the environment and nature and sustainability. And you mentioned kind of setting up your business and wanting it to be in line with your values. When you think about the environment, what is it that motivates you to act? Are there any kind of particular thoughts or feelings or images or memories that come to mind that kind of motivate you to, you know, act on those things that you care about? Yeah, I think there's there's a kind of there's two prongs here where it's a personal a personal love and connection that I do have with nature and with and with the environment and how it makes me feel personally and just like the pa- the power of that of like literally like like I said before you know just like the beauty of a tree and how that makes you feel and then the much bigger picture scale of like how we you know we need nature to survive and 
there's sites certainly that I've seen on my travels and even locally um which are quite disturbing you know with like the amount of waste that there is and in places and also the impact that that has on our nature and our wildlife I think is is quite frightening and you know even locally like we've started doing a, a local litter pick and just seeing the waste that comes up on our coastline that's quite frightening and um I went with my nephews uh, I think about two or three weeks back now and I said we had uh, 18 bags of litter is what we collected wow. and uh, I said to them how does this make you feel uh, like you know what do you think about this and they said Angus said scared um and, and I can't remember exactly what I think Max said it was you know sad it makes me want to cry I thought that's crazy like you know it, and it's not the responsibility of our uh, young people or our children to to do this it's now you know we have the we need to make these changes now and we need to uh, relearn basic stuff like it's not okay to throw rubbish out of your car window or what we found was like 16 bottles of um empty bottles of vodka that have been dumped in a ditch you know it's like it's just it's so it's so important to protect our our planet and like the we are we are nature we're not separate from nature and if we don't um if we don't realize that and we don't have that understanding then um without sounding too negative i think it's quite it's 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 bleak isn't it but there's so much again to be positive and, and to be hopeful for in the future. I mean, we only need to look at our good friend David Attenborough to to you know to see there's there's a lot of hope out there. And I think the pandemic has taught us that what we can do, what we have the ability and what we have the power to do when we come together. And I think that hopefully, 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 we can apply that same kind of collective. Uh, approach and energy to the climate and before it's before it's too late yeah you're right I think if the pandemic has shown us anything it's that we can affect mass social change really quickly and um yeah learn learn from doing things differently Mm. um and and what's important to us so talking about like the the beauty of nature and, and wanting to kind of um keep it and you know for for our future and for um your your nephew for example I would like to invite you and this is completely at your option to come up with um something that you can do to act on act on that thing that you care about um it doesn't have to uh you know fix all the world's problems overnight it can be big, it can be small, it can be something that happens once, it can be something that you do for a period of time, like a week or a month, whatever, just something that's kind of meaningful to you and something that is new that you can do and try out. Um, so is there anything that you can think of that you you might think would be good to try? Yeah, definitely. And I, I love this idea of a challenge as well and creating that that need for action. I think it's so important because um, the thing that I think I, I'm going to choose is something, you know, we we are always saying, oh, I do this, I do that. But actually truly practicing what you preach is often it's, it's sometimes hard to hard to do that 100 um, percent. And for me, you know, I am a big, big um advocate for buying local produce and but yet I still find myself um in supermarkets like Aldi and like Lidl so um 
I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to do this for the for the rest of my life. But I for for certainly this month, I want to commit to um, not shopping in the supermarket um, and just ensuring that I use local um, uh, fruit and veg suppliers. Um, because I think that that's again, it's it really is. It's like it's taking ownership, isn't it, of something that you're really believing and, and ensuring that you are doing it and, and hopefully getting a, maybe you can make me accountable for this as well <laughs> oh yeah definitely so okay so that's really exciting so is that for the for the rest of January then not not stepping foot inside a supermarket and just using your local fruit and veg okay and do you think that there's anything that you like going to how do you think it might change your eating habits potentially can you think if there would be things that you would be able to buy in a supermarket that you wouldn't be able to buy more locally I'm just curious I think there's going to be that seasonal aspect you know I because I yeah I think that there will be fruit and veg that, that just won't be available in those stores I'm assuming um yeah I just I won't be able to do that and potentially I'll have to be more prepared for the things that aren't there and aren't in those stores but one thing I've found from living in a city to now living back in the countryside is, you know, it's not as convenient going to the supermarket anyway. So you've kind of got to be a little bit prepared. It's not like you can go to Tesco for a single day anyway. You know, potentially that, well, that is what I was doing more or less when I was living in London, which is just quite frightening, really. Um, so so I think that by using those local producers will help me to live more in line with seasonal seasonal produce. Cool. I love that idea. Um, do you think that we could catch up then at the end of January and you could tell me how it goes and if you've come up with any amazing recipes for um, making the most of the local produce? Yeah, definitely. I'm well up for that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so is there anything else that you would like to say um, to our listeners that I haven't already asked you about? Ooh. I think um, I just encourage everybody to to kind of experiment with um, how they can connect with nature or connect with other people. And it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to be anything like massive, like you've got to go and climb 10 mountains or anything like that. It can literally just be go outside for, for 10 minutes every day. And, you know, um, if you feel like you can't do that, recruit somebody else to to do it with or hold you accountable to certainly in these times where we can't sort of meet up with people um and then you know in in terms of like what I'm doing here make make the most of um organizations of like what we're doing at the rewilding and whether they're in your local area and and try going to um learn a new skill or go to go to one of these places or go to a um you know a national park or a AONB or something like that and just just try something new and have fun with it and keep it simple yeah really good advice and do you recommend any um particular books or uh resources that you use to help you kind of um repassion yourself with the wild yeah definitely i think um my absolute favorite book which has inspired a lot is um it's called wildling and it's um it's by isabella tree and she um did this amazing rewilding project in um in the Nepa state I think it was like over they've got like 2,000 acres and just really um just put just took the agricultural model and what they've been doing on their farm for 
you know, decades and turned it upside down and they did it with um, real, you know, determination and they they didn't they they went forward with their mission as much as everybody the local farmers around them were saying no you're like what you're doing is wrong and it's going to have a negative impact and everything and they really persevered and uh, what they've created is absolutely epic and it's definitely a model for lots of people to to look at um and then another book that i've recently read um is the hidden life of trees which is also incredible <laughs> I really, really recommend that. I can't just think of the author's name off the top of my head, though. Okay, cool. I'll, I will check that out. You definitely, you're turning me on more to trees now. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find more of you, Michelle, um, online? Yeah, so I've got a website and it's called uh, therewilding.com, but the-rewilding.com. And then also on Instagram and Facebook at the Rewilding Community. And I also sort of welcome if you find my email address or phone number on there, you know, if people have got feedback or they want questions or they want to partner with me or anything, then I definitely welcome people getting in touch. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. I've really enjoyed this conversation and um, I'm 100% going to start thinking and and being a bit slower and taking a bit more time and intention about about my my daily habits and, and how I interact with the world and um, yeah, getting out and enjoy the wildness a bit more. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Is it just me or do you want to go run outside now and skip joyfully in a field and lollop among the flowers and the deer and the fauna and sing at the top of your lungs sound of music style because I definitely do um, and apologies for my dog barking there part way through I was talking about him and it's like hey I'm here this is me this is Louie so sorry if it's uh, surprised you or kind of felt a little bit um, edited as I had to cut him out <laughs> So I loved Michelle's energy and also her realism because she's not saying that the only way to be wild is to go and walk in a forest for five hours a day, which is completely unrealistic. She lives in the real world and it was fantastic that she admitted to struggling herself with going too fast and working too hard. So it's really refreshing to hear and um, it, I guess, as she said, it is just about that balance and working for that balance and, and being intentional about trying to aim for it. I love the simplicity of some of the actions that she suggested we can do to rewild ourselves. There was so much that we talked about, so I thought it might be helpful to do a quick recap of some of the real practical steps that you can do. So here are some of my favorite ones. Eating a meal without being distracted. Oh, that's a big one for me. <laughs> I um, I tend to eat my meals on a table at least, but I am probably in front of my phone or in front of my laptop watching something. And um, well, rather terribly, I tend to watch programs where other people cook and eat food as well, which is which is kind of ridiculous. So that's something that I really need to to try and just eat my meal and focus on what's actually on my plate. Another idea, thinking about and asking questions about our food and how it gets produced and where has it come from. Again, 
something else that is uh, I need to incorporate more into my life. Celebrating local food, local food culture, suppliers and businesses. Enjoying the nature that is all around us. And even if we live in urban areas, there's always something to enjoy. There's always trees, at least, to enjoy. Running or walking or other types of exercise in the fresh air. Trying to live more in line with the seasons. And also accepting and being okay with the the thought that actually things are seasonal. And you don't have to have access to everything all the time watching the sunrise and sunset and really taking the time to enjoy it. Having houseplants or intentionally enjoying the view out of your window. Learning new skills like foraging or bushcraft. And taking the time to go to a national park or an area of outstanding natural beauty. And we, because we really do have the time, don't we? We say we don't have the time, but we do. We spend a lot of time doing things that are wasteful. And it is about, um, you have to invest the time to to enjoy it and make the most of it. And do it socially, you know, as she said, that friends can help to keep you accountable. Um, so don't have to do it alone. It can be something that strengthens your connection with others, as well as strengthening your personal connection with nature which is something that can be um, lovely, something that we can take joy in as we cultivate it for ourselves. Because as Michelle said, we are nature. Nature is us. And I thought that was really beautiful. I also thought that learning about the farming practices was so interesting. I really know nothing about how food is produced. So that is something that I'm definitely going to learn more about um, out of curiosity, I guess, but also I feel like there's some kind of respect there to the farmers, to the food itself and to my body as I am the one eating it. So watch this space because I like to share my learning. Um, those links again, if you want to follow Michelle are the-rewilding.com. Check out her website. I forgot to say in the intro, actually, in addition to doing all the retreats and events and all the amazing community stuff she does, um, they also do lovely gift boxes um, and experience boxes, which are like for like a spa or um, a gift for a friend. And they're curated and sourced from independent makers and UK businesses. And oh, they look they look lovely. They look lovely. So if you want a gift box, um, then check out the-rewilding.com. And follow Michelle on Instagram as well. She is on at the rewilding community. Check out all her posts and like the ones about trees. So I don't feel so weird about liking them. Um, really gorgeous views and photos. And like I said, it um, helps me to be more passionate about something when I can see something somebody else is authentically passionate about it. And while you're there, come and follow me as well, because I am on Instagram now at alison.untethered. Uh, I've also dusted off my Twitter account, Ali Untethered. And of course, I am still on Facebook at TSL Untethered, The Sustainable Life Untethered. 
come on over, say hi. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know if you're feeling wild or what you're going to do to feel more wild now. And as always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. Leave me a review if you want to. And um, thank you so much for listening. I have really enjoyed spending my time with you. I hope you enjoyed it too. And uh, yeah, let's hope to see you next time. Bye.